The Requirement of the Lord, today on the Weekly Kingdom Outlook. Let's get going. Hey, great to be with you folks. I know I've been traveling. I didn't do one last week and um, it's been just one of those kind of weeks that I've had. Uh, I had uh, a wonderful time. I was actually away watching my uh, youngest play baseball and uh, I don't get to do that a lot. So we try to get there whenever we can. And he was in Myrtle Beach from Maryland. So it was within driving distance. So I got to go up and spend about three days with him and he played great. Uh, had seven games in four days. He batted 400. He hit a home run, had seven RBIs, played great. It was a great, great time to be with him. But I'm back and uh, you're actually getting ready. By the time you get this, I will actually be on the road again and uh, heading out to Oklahoma City to do a School of the Prophets there. Just remember, while we're talking about that, School of the Prophets every Tuesday night online with me. Uh, here's the JPEG so you can sign up. You need to sign up. And then what will happen is you'll be you're going to go in there and create an account in the upper left hand corner on the app and then we're going to put you in the upper right hand corner is a chat feed and we're going to put you in the school of the prophets that's where i drop notes for the evening that's where i put in the link for the video um, to come into uh zoom meetings because we do it on zoom it's i've been getting so much great feedback of everybody being able to prophesy to each other and train it's gonna be a great time so if you're interested just go it's free um and we do we do recommend a little offering and stuff like that if you want to do that uh but nothing required so it's a lot of fun bring your friends uh you can jump in wherever you want uh, but if you really want to be trained and gifted and and learn how to the protocols of the spirit, then I suggest that you uh, do that. So we love you and uh, look forward to seeing you there. All right. I'm going to talk today about this uh, amazing. Um, I'm going to do this in a kind of I'm gonna jump off of one and go into another. I, last time I think I left off, we talked about 2 Corinthians 8 when we talked about the offering about love and love being our motivation in giving. So now we've got to ask, what does God require? Well, number one, the first thing God requires is all of us. I mean, that's that's the deal. He bought us, which means if you, let's put it this way, if you owned a slave, you own everything that slave owns. That's that's what it means, okay? Um, just like if um, you worked at a university and that university owns a certain portion of all your work that, you know, because they pay you. And when they pay you and you're, you're creating stuff or you discover stuff, it becomes part of the school's patent and stuff like that. So those things are important to understand. But what does God now require of us in our daily giving? So I want to jump off of here. We're going to go to 2 Samuel 24, and then we're going to go back to 2 Corinthians 9. And I want us to see this because this is old and new, and I want to see this. I want you to see that it hasn't changed. It's been consistent all the way through. So I, I just finished uh, 1 Samuel, um, I'm, or I said 2 Samuel. I'm on my way to Book of Kings and Chronicles, and I'm really excited. I, you know, I'm on day like 36 of the fast, 37, something like that, and I am a little tired, just so you know. But I'm doing good. I got uh, just over three days. It's three days and three hours left, 
and uh, I will have a smoothie and begin to eat. And oh, I'm so looking forward to food. Just so you know, I'm not going to make any bones about it. I am looking forward to eat. Okay, so we're going to jump. I'm going to just tell you what happens here in, in 2 Samuel 24. is It says that God's um, uh, God's anger is stirred up against the, the, the house of Israel. I, it doesn't really give us a picture of what they're doing, but for some reason, even in David's day, there was those that would still worship Baal. Remember, David's in Jerusalem, and Israel's a vast land, and David can't stop it all. He can't... Um, limit everything that's going on. He doesn't have like a FBI police force and all this. And you got a lot of still of the high places, even though not with David, uh, like in the kings that will come, David's not in any of that. But Israel never, never seems to shake Baal from their midst at all. It's really, it's really remarkable. And never seem to shake them. So it says, again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. He moved David against them to say, go number the Israel and, and Judah. And so David commits a census. And remember, they weren't supposed to do a census. Why? Because a king who performs a census um, kind of um, is, excuse me, always burped there. <laughs> Almost is like um, one who is going to, whether or not he's going to wage war, his strength. Their strength wasn't seen in their chariots. It wasn't seen in their numbers. It was seen in the Lord. And a king of Israel that would then go about and um, decide, you know, it was just, it was a weakness for the king to always numbers. And David hadn't done this. And of course, the Lord actually stirs him up and there's a judgment on David's sin, and David, uh, and I don't know if this was David, you know, we don't, we really don't have a full picture of this, but the Lord gives David three options uh, of sin, read it, it's a really interesting chapter, but we're talking about offerings, so I don't want to go into all that, but in verse 18, it says, and Gad came that day to David and said to him, go up, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite, so David, according to the word of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. And Aruna looked and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. So Aruna went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. And Aruna, I don't even know if I'm saying that right, said, Why has my lord the king come to the servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Now Aruna said to David, Let my lord... Let my lord the king take an, uh, and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are the oxen for burnt sacrifice. Here are the threshing floor implements, the threshing implements, and the yokes of oxen for wood. All these, O king, Aruna has given to the king. And Aruna said to the king, May the lord your God accept you. Then the king said to Aruna, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the lord my God with that which cost me nothing. In other words, here's, here's the principle. We're going to find this in 2 Corinthians 9. Number one, if you have no value in what you're offering, and it didn't cost you anything, then it doesn't re represent your offering. See, your offering has to cost you something. Okay? Your offering has to, has to mean something to you. 
And that's why if you just throw, let's say, a dollar in, in, in the offering plate, it didn't really mean anything to you. But what if you actually say, Lord, I'm giving this offering. This means something to me. And that's why it's tied to your labor and all this stuff. Paul says, uh, let, let make sure that each of you works so you have something to give. And that's why it, it has a value. And a lot of Christians don't understand this. So they don't put any value on the offering. Oh, they, well, that's got a dollar. But is a dollar really valuable to every Christian? No. Make it cost something. Put an amount that in your offering. Your tithe is a tithe. That's decided. But your offering, it's got to cost you something. But here's the other principle. It's only what you have. He doesn't require what you don't have. See, David wasn't supposed to collect all the sheep from everybody else. David was to give his offering. All right? And so let's see this in 2 Corinthians 9. Because we finished with 8. So let's go to 9. Now concerning the ministry of the saints, it is superficialist for me to write to you. For I know your willingness, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, the Arcasia, and Archaea was ready a year ago, and your zeal was stirred up. The stir, has stirred up the majority. In other words, he told them that the Corinthians were ready to give a year ago, and because of that, it has stirred up everyone else to be ready to give. So good. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain. In this respect, that as I said, you may be ready, lest as some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared. We, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your gener generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. It's not supposed to be a grudging obligation. But I think a lot of Christians struggle with this because they think, well, we're obligated to give. Now, in a way you are, but in a way you're not. Your heart in Christ should want to give. It should that should be the 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 birthing of that spirit in you should want to be generous, should want to give. You don't brag about it, but give. But this I say, who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he is purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Giving is such a part of the Christian life. Giving to God, giving to the ministers. Galatians 6.1 talks about sowing into the ministers who are teaching, that you do that, that you sow in the Spirit that way. A lot of Christians give their tithe, but they don't know. I'm listening to, I'm listening to you know, Pastor Lewis teach week after week after week. But they don't think about giving. Look, I learned this through these scriptures 30 plus years ago. So whenever I would go, I, I would never go to a meeting and not give. And then I started directing my giving. I wasn't just giving to the Lord. I was giving to the Lord, but I was also giving to his servant who was teaching me. And I made it my responsibility to give. I made it my obligation to give. Not by them obligating me, but me. Because going, I sat, it's my attitude is this. If you go to McDonald's, you don't pay Burger King. If you're sitting at someone's table, listening to them. Look, I've been listening to Bill 
for 15 years. I give monthly to Bill because I've been listening to his teaching that long. It's really important that we comprehend these things in the spirit, okay? In the spirit that we comprehend them because they're vitally important for us. Vitally important for us to understand how the spirit and how the kingdom works. I am responsible that if I go listen to another man, look, people go to conferences, business conferences, and they pay to go there. It costs money to go there. And they have no problem about it because it's going to bring value back to them. Hopefully they'll learn something. Well, when someone's teaching the word, there is a value relationship there. And you should sow something into it, even though it's free. Even though it's free. Sam, Randy always taught me free isn't free. And I, and I agree with that. Free isn't free in the kingdom. Freely we have received. Freely give. That's the principle. And so, but Paul wants you to understand, purpose in your heart. Purpose, let it be in your heart. In other words, didn't say, let the pastor purpose it for you. Purpose in your heart that you're going to be a giver. Just purpose that. So, Lord, I'm going to be a giver. When the word comes, I'm, you know, and look, you might only have $100 to your name. Don't, you don't have to give the 100 God's not making you do that. Now, if you hear the Lord say give 100 then give 100 But be purposeful in your giving. Be righteous in your giving. Do not, la just because an offering plate does not come and stick you in the face, does not relieve the obligation to give. It does not alleviate that. That is obligated. All right. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you will always, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. As is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, may he who supplies the seed to the sowers, God is the one who actually put money in my pocket. He has provided seed for me to sow. And he supplies my bread for food, even though I haven't been eaten. Huh. Soon, three, three days. And supplies and multiplies and multiply the seed I have sown. And increase the fruits of your righteousness. See, listen to me. The thing that gets lost in the giving is that we kind of get to the point where I give at my church. I don't give anywhere else. I give at my church. I've always given at my church, but I've always given everywhere else. I'm not bragging about that. I am. I am. I have. I have been raised up by the Spirit of the Lord and His Word. And for me. Uh, I didn't do this before I got saved, even as a Catholic, but I do it now. And I give. And I want you to have your fruits multiplied and the, the seed of the seed sown. Think about this. When you sow a seed, God takes that seed and he multiplies that fruit. So when you get to heaven, you're going to have fruit that has remained that you are unaware of because you don't know how that blessed another minister to go out and do what he does or she does. Amen? That's the kind of thing that
I'm talking about. Amen? I hope you understand that because it's vital for us to understand the role of giving has into the kingdom. All right? If the church tithed, you know if the church tithed, everyone tithed in the church, buildings would be out of debt. We'd be able to feed everybody. I mean, seriously. But the whole church, there's only, they say only like 20% of people might be tithing. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? That means 80% of people aren't pulling their weight. And that's sad. And I get a lot, I've had those people. Well, I never got anything. They weren't givers. Because they weren't giving. I could, you know, I could go back and go, well, you weren't giving for three years. There, there is something, I look, I'll teach this in our time, but there is something blocked with a stingy person when it comes to the spirit. A stingy heart with money is a stingy heart in the spirit, and it blocks it. It just does. I don't want that block on you. I actually want you to have the fullness of God be opened up to you in your life. And one of those aspects is giving, and I pray that you will start studying the principles of it, the protocols of it, and the ways of the spirit when it comes to giving. And you too have your seed multiplied. God bless you and you have a great day. Well, let's pray for a second before we say goodbye. Father, I thank you right now. I thank you for the seed sown. I thank you you multiplied. I thank you that our hearts are full with giving. I exhort them, Lord, I exalt all those who hear this, that their seed be multiplied in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. And let me just say this. You want to give, go to lewisdcn.com, go to donate, and you can sow a seed. And if you want to do that, I do everything for free. But if you want to support us, appreciate it. I love you. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.